Dímelo mi gente, welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel Martinez bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Well, kinda. This week's episode is just featuring me. This is the part where I tell you that I quit. No, 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 not the podcast. There's a lot more stories that we have to share. I'm talking about my job. Remember that job that I got at TikTok as a global account director? Well, I just left. March is actually the first official month where I'm a full-time business owner and entrepreneur. I'm still working on the title and don't really know what to call myself, but business owner sounds and feels right. Now, it wasn't an easy decision, obviously. Y'all know how much I was getting paid, but it's something that I felt the need to do. It definitely was not an easy decision. And we're gonna get into all of why it was not an easy decision. Y'all probably gonna call me crazy when I tell y'all all the things that I left on the table, but hear me out. I'm not gonna lie, I had a good, life was good. I was working for one of the biggest tech companies in the world, one of the most loved apps in the world. You know how many people use TikTok these days? Uh, over a billy, a billy, a billion people globally use TikTok, crazy. The amount of growth that the app has had is just crazy. And to be a global account director at the company, yo, they be looking at you different. There's a certain level of clout that even comes with working in tech that I think a lot of people don't even talk about. If you scroll on Instagram or even TikTok, you'll hear everybody talking about, yo, these are five ways how to get into tech. These are 10 things you need to do during your interview. Here's six jobs in tech that you can get without even knowing how to code. Everybody is trying to get into it. And it's no surprise. In tech, there's a certain level of autonomy, a certain level of freedom to be yourself. They give you stock in a growing company, which in many ways is ownership of the company. They compensate you well compared to other industries. The benefits and perks in the, in the form of free food and snacks and all these different things. Who wouldn't want to work in tech? It's a good place to be. I've had so many opportunities that come to me just because I work in tech. For example, I just spoke on a panel that if it wasn't for COVID, the panel would be hosted at the White House. It's called Dominicans on the Hill. I think it's like the third or fourth annual one that they've done. And the panel that I was on was Dominicans in tech. Now, obviously you have to work in tech to be on the panel. So it was representation from Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and TikTok, AKA your boy. But think about that opportunity to speak at the White House on a panel. If I was just Pavel, as smart as I am, as creative as I am, you know, insert all these positive attributes, I would not have been invited on the panel if I didn't work in tech. You know what I mean? It's not like they had a segment on Dominicans in finance. Dominicans in agriculture, Dominicans in journalism, and there's nothing wrong with any of those fields. All those fields are dope. I'm just saying there's a, right now in culture and society, there's a certain prestige and almost like a, some clout that comes with working in tech. It's, it's almost like the equivalent of a, of a blue check mark on Instagram. Not exactly, but kind of. Yo, especially as a black man, as a Latino in tech, yo, there ain't many of us in tech that look like me. So to be in there, it's kind of this, this dichotomy of on one end, I wish there was more people that look like me, but because there aren't that many people that look like me, I'm almost looked at like a unicorn. It's like, oh shit, un dominicano, y en tiki-toki, coño, man, pero, you know, people want to get to know me and all that shit. There's so much of my identity that is tied to tech that I often think about, yo, if I'm not even working in tech, are these opportunities still even going to come? Are people going to want to hear my voice? Are people going to want to hear about what I have to say in my opinions? Are people going to invite me to panels if I don't have that TikTok name next to mine? 
In fact, the scene from the iconic movie Paid in Full always comes to mind when I think about leaving Tech. Yeah, you know, a nigga got dough. A nigga could leave the league. But if I leave, the fans still gonna love me, man. Enough about the clout, though. Let's talk about some numbers. I've dreamed about this opportunity. And we'll get into the dream of working for yourself. But first, let's talk about the TikTok opportunity. And it's not working for TikTok. It's not the role that I was in. It's not the title. It's more so about the, what the money can afford me. One of the most proud things that I can say that I've been doing is paying all my mom's bills. Talking rent, cell phone, car insurance, life insurance, you name it, I was there. And it's not because she asked, it's because I wanted to. So often when we try to make all this money, it's not just for us. It's so that we can support our family as well. Because of all the sacrifices and things that they had to endure to make us happy, wouldn't you want to give it back? Well, I finally got to a point where I can pay all of those things for her. Slide out well out some dollar bills for the lotto and, and all the gambling she'd be doing. Pay my mortgage, have a savings account, disposable income, go on trips with Bay, cover the tab on things with Bay. Whatever I want, I was chilling. Yo, so then to get to that point and think, damn, am I going to have to tell my mom that I could no longer do this for her? I don't want to give you the impression that if I stop contributing, my mom's going to go homeless. That's not the case. She has money to cover it. But the money that I was giving her was essentially going to all those payments. And then whatever she had from her retirement account and from all the things that she gets from retirement, she was using that as disposable income to do some other things that weren't necessarily the needs in life. That was a big moment for me to come to that realization that I have to have this conversation with my mom and say, mom, I can no longer pay all these things for you. Are you going to be okay financially? It's a conversation that I dreaded having. And I finally had it with her. She took it really well. But I know there's like a side of her that, that thinks, are you crazy leaving this job? <laughs> and not only for her, but for me, right? Like it's a, it's a comfortable lifestyle that's presented for me as well. And then the last point, is part of my compensation package was a yearly bonus, which I actually quit before I got it. This is the part where I think y'all gonna get mad at me. My yearly bonus was about maybe $60,000. Yes, $60,000. And I know it's a lot of money. In fact, it's probably more than most people make in an entire year. And I was gonna get it in one lump sum. The catch is that I probably had to wait until about May, maybe even June, and I couldn't do it. I mean, I probably could have waited it out, but it would have been at the expense of my mental health. It would have been at the expense of the growth that I'm experiencing on the podcast and the Plural brand. And I wasn't willing to make that sacrifice, which brings me to why I quit. Money isn't everything. I never wanted to be in a position where I was making decisions to put up with certain BS because they were paying me a certain amount. And it's hard to talk about why I quit my job at TikTok because from some people's perspectives, it may look like I'm complaining, like I'm nitpicking, like I'm just looking at the tiniest little things to, to find issues with. Like I should just be happy and grateful for what I have. And I am, or I was, but it also just wasn't enough for me. Let's get into why I quit though. For me, it breaks down into three reasons. For one, is the corporate culture at TikTok. The easiest way that I could talk about the corporate culture at TikTok is to compare it to another large tech company, Facebook. And the reason I'm comparing it to Facebook is because I work there. So it's an experience that I can actually talk about from my own perspective. That said, 
I know that there are a number of differences. For example, Facebook is an American-owned company. TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is, is a Chinese-owned company. And we'll get into the implications of that in a minute. Two, Facebook has been around for a minute. The processes that they have in place were from an operational standpoint, they're just really organized because they've been able to do this for a minute. TikTok is a little bit newer. They just started monetizing and really growing out their team over the last few years. So it's not the most fair comparison. That said, let's get into it. Now, when I was working at Facebook, one thing that surprised me is the, the level of transparency that's in the company. I think it's actually one of their values, if I'm not mistaken, but it's very clear. I'm a firm believer that organizational culture comes top down. So you need to see it instilled in the leadership team in order to see it manifested throughout the organization. I remember when I was at Facebook, there were, the level of transparency was like shocking. I was like, yo, I've never seen such a thing. So I knew I was getting spoiled, but you almost don't realize what you've gotten until you leave it. For example, when I was at Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg would do a weekly Q&A on Fridays where he would just take questions and give updates to employees. And you can ask him literally anything. Yo, Mark, what you think of the social network and how they portrayed you? Hey, Mark, you know, what's your vision for VR? Like literally anything. Yo, Mark, what's your favorite ice cream? Most people will keep it business related, which I understand, but there were the occasional personal, more, more personal related questions that came up. Because of the level of transparency that Mark instilled and was demonstrating, that shit trickled down to everything that we did. For example, let's look at performance reviews. When I did my performance review at Facebook, it was pretty standard. You write your own self-review, your manager gives you a review, and then you get reviewed by about three to five peers. At the end of the performance review cycle, when all of these things are submitted, you get to go into a tool and you get to see exactly who wrote your review, right? So let's say coworker one, coworker two, and coworker three all wrote me a review. And let's say coworker one said that I need to step my game up and be more of a leader in a specific meeting. I know that I only have a certain number of meetings with coworker one, so I can narrow down that meeting to understand where exactly I need to be more of a leader. And if anything's unclear, I can actually ask that, I can actually ask that person and say, yo, would you mind setting up a, like, schedule, if I schedule some time with you, we'd love to just get a better understanding of your feedback so that I can improve moving forward. Right? Makes sense. Transparency. You can have the conversation. This was not the case at TikTok. There were so many things. There was a certain level of secrecy that I found uncomfortable. It was a lack of transparency. And I'm not sure why, but it almost felt like we didn't trust the people that we were working with. Maybe it's because TikTok isn't a public company yet. Maybe they were scared that certain information would get leaked and out to the press. But there wasn't a clear distinction or policy around like what was available and what wasn't. Even for performance reviews, it's a similar setup to Facebook. But at the end of the performance review cycle, my manager just read me what people said about me. And a similar situation happened. Coworker one, two, and three shared feedback. Coworker one shared feedback and said, shared some constructive criticism on what I could be doing better, which I, I in some ways agreed with them, but also wanted to have a further conversation about it to get a better understanding of some suggestions that they thought would be helpful. And also, I'm sorry, what meeting were you talking about? These are just the basic questions that I thought would be helpful to ask. My manager at the time said that they couldn't share that information. They couldn't confirm who said it. And because they couldn't confirm who said it, 
they also didn't know what meeting this person was talking about. So the feedback was kind of useless, even in certain decks and conversations that that the higher ups share with us. They'd be like, yeah, we're trying to grow the company revenue by, you know, X amount. They would literally blank out the number and employees wouldn't know. At Facebook, that would never happen. Mark was, they were so clear where he wanted to grow in what areas he wants to grow by how much. There was a certain level of trust that he had with employees. Now, there's a risk in being that trustworthy, right? You get potential leaks, but the trust there, much appreciated. The second part of the corporate culture that I found very uncomfortable is the work-life balance. I remember I had a meeting with my manager and about, let's say, four or five other coworkers. And at one point, my manager says, let's set up a meeting for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it's Zoom, so I can see everyone's facial expressions. And everyone was like, uh-huh. So I didn't think anyone else was going to say it. So I said, hey, I have no intention of working this weekend. And my manager replies, oh, probably a chuckle here and there. I understand you don't want to work. None of us want to work. But, you know, sometimes we have to do it. I reply, no. <laughs> I don't think you understand. I have no intention of working this weekend or any weekend. And it got awkward. Now, that was the end of it. I didn't work that weekend and coworkers didn't work that weekend either. Now, on the side, my coworkers said, yo, thank you for saying that. I was thinking it, but they didn't want to say it. You feel me? Um, I would have done it if we had to, but like, who wants to do that? I later have a conversation with someone that is, that let's say is a bit higher up than my manager. And we had a conversation and that situation was referenced. And then this person said, yeah, that's not how we do business here. And I replied, I know, could you believe that so-and-so asked me to work the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? And this person responded saying, oh, I wasn't talking about your manager. I was talking about you. I was like, huh? And I was like, oh, this is someone who brags about working over the weekend. This is someone who brags about working, quote unquote, overtime. In fact, so much to the point that coworkers and colleagues have shared feedback to this person saying, you talk about work-life balance, but you're not demonstrating it through your actions. Literally received feedback to work less, to set an example for the rest of the organization. But then I also have to remember, TikTok is owned by ByteDance. And ByteDance is a Chinese-owned company. Now, what does the company being owned by China have to do with anything? Well, you think you have to think about the regional complexities of organizational culture when you think about how it translates to the day-to-day. -day. Have you ever heard of the 996 lifestyle? In China, employees work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week, essentially 72 hours per week. And a number of Chinese internet companies have adopted this system and really this lifestyle. Obviously there are a bunch of critics to it. And it wasn't until I think last year where ByteDance decided to move away from the 996 policy and lifestyle themselves. Now that's the official policy is to move away from it, but does that permeate throughout the organization? Or do we look up to the parent company and say, we need to work as hard as they do? I'm not saying all this to say that I'm not a hard worker, that I've never worked on a weekend. If things need to get done, I'm going to get it done. 
but I feel like corporate America does such a good job of just making you feel like whatever you do isn't enough. Like, I remember the deck that we were working on. I remember even walking through it with, with one of our clients. We were essentially going to present, the client that we reviewed the deck with, we were essentially going to present to her manager. And the client that we walked through the deck with was like, yo, this deck is perfect. Nothing needs to be changed. But then we go back and we say, no, we need, there's so many things that need to be changed. This, this, and that. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yo, y'all are just creating more work that doesn't need to be done right now. And also, can this wait till Monday? It's not like it was due over the weekend. There's this false sense of urgency that I think so many people have in corporate. It's like, is it really urgent? Do we really need to do it over the weekend or can it wait till Monday? It's not like we're saving lives. Yo, we're literally, yo, we're selling ad inventory on the platform. It is not that serious that we need to work over the weekend to do it. And guess what? We didn't work over the weekend and we got it done. And reason number three, most importantly, I felt like there wasn't that much career growth for me at TikTok. Overall, I felt like the value and the impact that I was driving was unappreciated. At a general level, I think we should have an understanding of what success looks like and how I can get to the next level. Let me give you an example. I'm in sales. At the end of the day, for a sales role, all they care about is driving revenue. If I'm delivering revenue, if I'm over-delivering on my sales goals, there should be no question on my performance. I over-delivered on my sales goal by about $15 million. $15 million. And I grew the revenue year over year by 7x. So if I'm driving the revenue that you expect from me, I don't need, I don't need to be micromanaged. Oh, that's the most frustrating thing ever when you get micromanaged. I get if I wasn't doing well, and let's say I didn't deliver on my sales goal, in some way I understand. You know, let's even say I got my performance review back and I didn't meet expectations. Like, let's say I got put on a performance improvement plan. Maybe at that point, there's a need to micromanage me. Maybe at that point, there's a need to approve every little decision that I make. But don't sell me in on the idea when hiring me that I'm going to be the lead on an account. And then when I get there, I'm clearly not. And it's weird because when I was getting micromanaged at the time, I'm like, yo, why is this happening? So I set up a meeting with leadership. And, you know, in the midst of the conversation, I mentioned as a lead on the account, and then I was going to continue my sentence, but I got interrupted. And this leader said, let me stop you right there. You're not a lead on your account. And I was like, oh, sorry, semantics, right? I'm sorry. I know I'm a global account director. I'm not a global account lead, you know, but as the most senior leader, as the most senior person on the account, they interrupted another time and said, let me stop you there again. You're not the most senior person on this account. And then I was like, wait, what? So who's the most senior person on the account? Who's the lead on the account? And this person pointed to my manager. Now, if y'all know anything about a sales organization, there's typically in its most simplest form, there may be a coordinator, there may be an account manager ahead of them, and then there's an account executive ahead of them. Now, this team, let's, let's think of these people as a team, they work on the strategy, development, and the execution. They do everything they can to grow the business when it comes to revenue and relationships. Now, there's, they obviously all roll into somebody, which is a manager, but that manager is there to clear roadblocks, is there to give advice, is there to make sure that everyone is feeling included, you know, manager shit. They 
are in no way the lead on the account. I've been part of many sales teams. The lead on the account is typically the account executive. It was essentially my role on the team. But during that meeting, I was like, oh, now I understand why you don't see me as a lead. Because your view of the organizational structure is that the way that it was built shows that I'm not a lead. And that's when I, that's when I understood why I was being micromanaged. Although I was sold in with the idea that I would be a certain person given this certain title, even managing an account manager on my team, I wasn't considered a lead. And it was weird because at Facebook, I had a lower title compared to what I had at TikTok. And I felt like more of a lead. There was so much autonomy at Facebook. Although there was an account executive that I was working with, there was so many things to do where they would say, hey, if you want to raise your hand and you want to be the lead on a specific account, on a specific project, go for it. There was a level of trust that the team just had with each other that, hey, like you went through this, these round of interviews, you were hired here for a reason. We value your skills. We value your input. Just go out and do it. At TikTok, this wasn't necessarily the case. They claim to be a very flat organization. They claim to be a startup, but in many ways, there's a lot of red tape that you have to go through to get things approved. There is a certain level of hierarchy where it doesn't allow you to move as fast as some other companies. Enough about the corporate culture, though. If y'all want to talk more about this, I'm happy to share more over a drink. But let's get into the other two reasons why I quit. You know, in dealing with all these frustrations about being micromanaged and on paper showing that I'm doing a good job, but based on how I was being treated, I was feeling undervalued and unappreciated. So because of all those frustrations, I really thought about, do I even like what I'm doing in my job? I started thinking about the impact that I was driving. Even deeper, I started thinking about like, yo, who's receiving the impact that I'm driving? And then this quote by by Tristan Walker, the CEO of Walker and Company Brands. You probably heard of one of their products, Bevel. He once said, what are you uniquely positioned to do? And then I stopped and thought like, I think a lot of people could do my job at TikTok. Granted, I won. Granted, I was the best candidate for the job based on the interview and based on them selecting me. But that doesn't mean that the other people that weren't hired couldn't do the job. Maybe I just answered a question slightly better. Maybe I gave off a certain energy that was encouraging. Maybe they saw a certain leadership potential in me. I don't know. But I think there's a lot of people out there that would have been successful in the role. In fact, I'm working with one of the biggest brands in the world. And I constantly thought about like, yo, if I wasn't in this position, would this brand even be successful? Probably. <laughs> yo, I'm like, they don't need me. There's so many people that could like plug and play into that position and be successful and help the brand be successful. Like, I'm sorry, Samsung is gonna be around for a long time, regardless if we launch this, this AR VR campaign with TikTok, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, would the campaign be cool? Yeah, but will Samsung just grow regardless of me? I think so. And although I know I'm doing a good job, I don't think I'm the only person uniquely positioned to do that role. And this isn't me trying to downplay my skills and my expertise and the work that I could do for these brands. I'm sure that I can help them grow. What I'm trying to get at and really understand is like, what am I uniquely positioned to do here on earth? I'm still figuring it out, but I'm getting some early signs of what that may be. I'll give you a hint. You're listening to it right now. 
when I think about what excites me, what motivates me, what drives me to move forward, what motivates me, it's really the feedback that I get from y'all. Let me give y'all a quick example. Y'all remember that viral post that I did when I shared my salary publicly? Well, let me tell you how it changed one person's life. There was a friend who was actually interviewing at TikTok. To protect their identity, let's just assume it's a, a very similar position to what I had. When they were interviewing at TikTok, and this is a true story, they were given a lowball offer. Now, again, to protect their identity, let's just say the offer was 120K. Now, this candidate did what any other candidate would do. They would push back and say, that seems to be a little low based on the research that I've done and started to negotiate. Now, the recruiter wasn't given anything, was given a bunch of excuses. Nah, this is the most that I could do, blah, 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 the usual. And then this candidate remembered the post that I shared and brought it up during the interview saying, oh, well, this employee, Fabel Martinez, has this title at TikTok and he's getting paid this amount. This was his signing bonus. This was, this was his signing bonus and everything. Are you sure there's nothing that we can do? What do you think happened? The recruiters pretty much said, uh, uh, let, me, let me look into this and get back to you. Came back on another call and gave her a $60,000 increase in her base. How do you lowball somebody $60,000? Weren't even going to give them a signing bonus and anything else. And it took the candidate to reference a post, a transparent LinkedIn post, for the recruiter to say, no, you know what? I got some more money that I could offer you. Like, that's wild. I just think of, and this is only one example of someone that shared, actually shared this story with me. Imagine how many other stories are going on like this. And this is just about compensation. Imagine how many other people within our community are being taken advantage of. And because of a lack of transparency and a lack of communication about these issues around workplace culture, trauma, and just overall experiences, these situations are happening. So when I think about who's a recipient of my impact, I want it to be the communities that I represent. Yo, hearing that I was able to get this individual close to $100,000 more in their compensation package, when you look at stock and when you look at stock-based bonus, signing bonus, all of that increase just because of one post, that's way more impactful to me than any million dollar deal that I signed with any client while I was working at TikTok. It's not as much money if you look at it on paper, but to me, it's way more impactful. That's the type of impact that I wanna drive right now. I'm not saying I'll never go back to corporate, but right now that's the type of impact that I wanna drive. Besides this tangible example of an offer, there's countless DMs and messages that I get around, damn, because of your podcast, I'm not, I now feel comfortable to be myself. Because of your podcast, I now feel comfortable in at least challenging my beliefs around professionalism. And this isn't just from people that look like me. I'm redefining professionalism and challenging people's bias for people that don't look like me either and don't identify with any of my identities. And when you talk about impact, this same podcast that you're listening to right now is growing. Right now, it's in the top 10% of all podcasts globally. And I've been doing all that while treating it like a hobby until now. I am done treating this like a hobby. I'm done treating this like a side project. I constantly think to myself, damn, like if it's top 10% and I'm only doing this for a few hours a week, what if I dedicated all of my time to it? 
if I help somebody get $100,000 more in an offer just by sharing one post, imagine if I share all the things that I'm thinking about. I keep thinking like, oh, what if I can dedicate more time? What if I dedicate more time? What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I stop thinking and just do it? And this isn't a decision that I came to just out of the just out of nowhere. This isn't a decision that I just that just came to me out of nowhere. I've been saving up for this moment. If I don't make a dime, I got enough saved in my account for at least about a year. At the end of the year, we'll see where Plural is. And who knows? I may go back to corporate. But for now, because of the support that you are providing, I may not have to go back. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuetas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next week.